This evening's scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Good evening and welcome again to our Sunday night worship service. We're grateful for your presence. If you are visiting, we do want to express our appreciation to you. We are very grateful that you've chosen to be a part of our gospel meeting tonight. We encourage you to come back and be with us tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. This morning we began our meeting with a very great lesson from God's Word. During the Bible class hour, our theme has been involvement. And I really appreciated the lesson that Jeff brought to us during the Bible hour. And then during our worship hour, he again brought another excellent lesson. And so we look forward to another very fine lesson tonight from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. We are very appreciative for your presence tonight. We are thankful that you have chosen to come and to be a part of this worship service, many of you. Uh, are here, some maybe for the first time, and we want to encourage you to come back. If you are in the process of looking for a church home, we invite you to give consideration to the work here. It would be a joy to us if you would come and join hands with us and labor for the Lord in this community. At this time, I want to introduce our speaker of the hour, Jeff Wilder. Many of you remember Jeff from a meeting that he held here, uh, here last year. And Jeff is a graduate of Alabama Christian College, which is now known as Faulkner University. He has uh, one wife, Tammy, and one daughter, Ellie. And uh, I hope he just has one wife. As you can see, I'm not really, she is your first wife. I said earlier that uh, I'm really not the man to do the introductions, but we will press on. You just never know what will be said during an introduction, by me at least. But uh, we are grateful that you do have just one wife, and we are, we're very, very happy to have Jeff with us, and we look forward to a great lesson tonight. And uh, let me just also mention, and this, this was in our bulletin this week, but the Wilders are also good friends of Bill and Melody Powers and their family. And I believe that they were former members here, and many of you know them. And so at this time, I will turn the lesson over to Brother Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. I did say that Tammy is my first wife. And as far as I know, there aren't any others. And if there are, I think I'll just stay here. I have hard enough with the one I got, much less two. It's great to be with you, and it's good to be here. I am honored that your shepherds once again thought worthy of me to invite me back. And what a thrill it is to be here. I uh, did talk with Mel Bill and Melody Powers. Bill, of course, you know that they're back in Washington 
Bill's very busy, and he said to give you his best regards. Also, Melody said that she would love to be here. I told her that we could probably find her somewhere to stay if she came, but we're glad to know that they are doing well, and he is doing well in his work there in Washington. I do bring you greetings from the Fayetteville congregation. It's my new home. Uh, It is a great place to be. God blessed me with that opportunity, and I have never felt at home as much as I do at the Fayetteville congregation. I did hear from several of them this afternoon, and um, things are going well there, and so they said to tell you all hello, and so I'll do it in the way in which I do it most effectively. Hey, y'all from Fayetteville. Well, I'll be. Um, There's some people from Fayetteville sitting in the audience. Uh, Brother and Sister Garner are here, Jim and Sandy Garner. Jim served for many years as one of the shepherds there, and uh, Fayetteville is what it is today because of Jim and other men like him. And I, I, they told me to behave. They didn't tell me they were going to send somebody to make sure I did. <laughs> but it sure is good to see Jim and Sandy here and with us. If you have your Bible, if you would, please take it and turn it to James. We're talking about involvement. We're talking about being involved in God's work. This morning, we looked at God's work and we talked about togetherness. We see Jesus coming to the world for one purpose, that is to save man. And we see him leaving this world, ascending back to sit on the throne room there in heaven with God. And uh, we see him at that point. The book of Actions begins and Luke says to Theophilus, I write you to tell you what he was doing and what he was teaching. And that ministry has been left to us. The ministry of Jesus. And it's a ministry in which people are reconciled, brought back to God. It's a ministry in which people are put back in the fold of God. It's a ministry in which we find ourselves sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and a dying world. And you and I have been entrusted with this ministry. We looked at this morning involvement for Jesus' sake. And tonight we're going to look at being involved in this great ministry, this work that you and I have been blessed to be heirs of. And we're going to look at being involved in it for my sake. In James chapter 1, we begin to see how God lays out for us... or James does in a very specific way from the throne room of God where wisdom comes from. And he begins to help us to build our faith and he begins to give us practical ways of living. Probably one of the earliest writings in all of what we consider New Testament writings. And James is talking to those who have been dispersed. And he's helping them with their faith issues. And he talks with them and how to build their faith and it's a very practical study. But he says something early on that we need to catch today. I believe, as I said earlier, that we have the potential and we hold it that we can evangelize, take the gospel, share Jesus, whatever terminology you want to use in a very short period of time if we will just get busy and do it. And the first century church had issues also surrounding this. Watch this. James chapter 1. Wherefore, verse 21, lay apart all filthiness, all superfluity, all naughtiness, 
and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and be not a doer, he's like a man beholding himself in a natural or in a mirror. Verse 24, for he looks at himself and he goes his way and straight forth he forgets what manner of man he is. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty continueth therein, being not a forgetful hearer, watch this, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed of his deeds. Folks, you and I have a work to do. We have a a task before us, and it requires all of us to get involved. It requires every one of us to be wearing ourselves out in the vineyard of the Lord. I'm afraid that we have equated what we are doing here tonight. We've come to the assembly to lift up our hearts in praise to God and to listen to a message from God's Word. And we believe that we have done all that we need to do. We've committed, some of you in this audience have committed that you'll be here every night. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night. I have a problem with days of the weeks, Mike. And we think that the very fact that we've come and we've heard and we've done this, that we've done all that we need to do, when in reality, this is our rallying point. This is where we get our energy. This is where we get our boost. This is where we get our motivation to go out there and to do the work in which we were in here talking about. I'm afraid that we're sitting on our pews of self-righteousness And the world is passing us by. You say, preacher, okay. I heard somebody say this morning to Mike, I want you to preach one of them sermons where you step on toes. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm stepping on toes, including my own. But folks, we have got to take for serious the work that the Lord has left for us to do for our own sake. You say, preacher, I hear what you're saying, but tell me what I need to be doing. Well, I'm going to make it simple for you this this evening as to what we need to be doing and why. If you have your copy of the text, which I trust you do, go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse number 24. And when the ten heard, had heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus, and you know what had happened here. Who's going to be the greatest in the king? Can one sit on one side and one sit on the other among the apostles? In verse 25, but Jesus called unto them and said, You know, the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that do great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. 
even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to be a minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear what Jesus said when it came to his business and to his kingdom and to his reign and to his rule? Did you hear who he said would be great among you? Did he hear? Did you hear the response that he gave to the two boys that come and said, or oh, their mother on behalf, can one sit on one side and another? And Jesus said, you don't understand it. The greatest among you are the ones who get down and do the most work. Those who serve those who meet the needs of others, those who minister. And in our vernacular, that means pick people up where they are and take them to the feet of Jesus. Go over with me just a couple of pages. Chapter 23. Jesus is introducing the last sermon that he'll preach. I call it the great beg sermon. He had lived for three years in ministry, been on this earth for around 30 or more years. He had been trying to convince the people of his own nation, of his own genetic background, those who claimed to be of the same people he was, who he was, and they wouldn't listen, and they became hardened in their heart. And he begins to preach this sermon, and you know it, it's where the woes are. But he introduces this sermon by saying this. Verse 1, Then Jesus spake to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after the works, for they which say and do not, for the, they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. And they lay on them men's shoulders, uh, lay on them men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with their fingers. Number five, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They have broad phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the mar markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Listen to this. But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Folks, before we get into the work of the Lord and doing what we need to do and doing what we must be about, we've got to get our mind right and understand that the greatest in the kingdom is the one who is the humblest in the kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who is willing to serve the kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who is willing to get the dirtiest in the work of the Lord. Do you hear me? Thank you, brother. If you don't, I can crank it up another notch. <clears throat> Folks, we have a plague among us. And that plague is called being satisfied with the status quo. That plague is called among us. I've reached the point in my life where another group of people need to be doing that type of thing. We've reached a point in our life.
life to where we believe that retirement is an entitlement. And when I retire, I retire from everything. We've left the battleship and gone to the cruise ship. And Jesus said, if you want to be great and under my reign and rule, you will serve. We've got to get involved. We've got to get involved for our own sake. You say, preacher, I hear you. You're telling me I've got to change my attitude. You're telling me that I've got to put on a new mindset. You're telling me that when I do this, well, tell me now what I've got to do. And I want you to go with me to John. I don't know any place better to go than to Jesus when it see, to see what we need to be doing. it's the day before what we would consider the day before the crucifixion. They've already gone to that upper room and he's been with his disciples. And according to the text, they'd already had some supper. In chapter 13 and verse number 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, and when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he would depart from this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were of the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Verse 4, watch this. He rises up from supper and laid aside his garments. And he took a towel and he girded himself. And after that, he poured the water in the basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he was girded with. I want you to get this scene, the very God of heaven, as we discussed this morning, the one that made you, the one that sustains you, the one that will save you or has saved you, and the one that will judge you, that has left that throne room, Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, and made the greatest and the longest missionary journey from heaven to earth. He became one of us. He came into this world in the lowest of estates. He came as a baby, helpless, dependent upon other folks. They're born in a stable, raised by just a common family. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Paul says to Timothy in his first letter, the sixth chapter, the most high potentate, Jesus, the King, because nobody else would. No, that's not the reason, but that's what it appears washed the dirty feet of that ragtag team of disciples of his. Did you hear what the scripture said? And after supper, custom says that it's the first thing you do. I can imagine in that room the, the feeling. All of the people were in the city of Jerusalem. They'd come for the Passover. Jesus, this new fellow on the scene, his movement being made known of, uh, they're already being called a sect. Matter of fact, the church at the end of Acts is still called a sect of the Jews. 
That's what they're known as. But Jesus gaining popularity, whether it be popularity for good or popularity for bad. And Jerusalem was at one of its highest population times. And Jesus had taken those men to an upper room for the Passover. I guarantee you they walked up those steps feeling like they were somebody. Custom says that the lowest in the household, not the housekeeper, no. What this job required was the one that was lower than the housekeeper. Custom says that you wash your feet before you eat, not after. I imagine that room was full of pride, wondering which one of them was going to step off their high horse and wash the other's feet. And I imagine we'd all been like Peter when Jesus stood up. But that's what he did. Think about whose feet he washed. Peter's feet. John's feet. Thomas's feet. You know, I I imagine when he washed the feet of John... That he could do it with ease. He loved John. Tenderly. Compassionately. So ever so gentle. Washing the dirty feet of John. But Jesus not only washed the feet of John. He washed the feet of Judas. Judas. A different character. I don't want to characterize him as being strange, but he was different. Jesus, knowing who he was and what he was going to do, that it would be the start of the end as far as this world was concerned. The most dreaded event in all of eternity would be jump-started by the kiss that Judas would lay on the cheek of Jesus. For the first time in eternity that Jesus... Oh, it's it's not the cross. It's not the pain. Jesus wasn't the only one to hang on a cross. He wasn't the only one to be scourged. He wasn't the only one to be mocked. But for the first time in eternity... And you and I cannot fathom that word. Our finite minds will not let us comprehend eternity. But for the first time in eternity would be separated from his father because of my sin and your sin. And there he was washing Judas's feet. Brother Jim and Sister Sandy have heard me say this before. Judas would have known his feet had been washed when I got through with them. I guarantee you, I'd have scrubbed between his toes. And as my granddaddy would say, he had noted it. That piece of sand that was way up under his toenail, I'd have went and got it. You talk about rough heels, I'd have scrubbed them. Judas would have known what I knew. And that I didn't like it one bit. 
but knowing the heart of our Savior. Jesus ever so gently, so kindly, so humbly. Only with good motives and possibly even a tear in his eye washed the feet of Judas. That's where our involvement starts. Serving each other. You say, preacher, you don't know my brethren. Oh, yes, I do. I said it this morning, I'll say it again. You're some of the meanest people in all the world, but I love you. I do. We treat stray animals sometimes better than we treat each other. If you don't believe it, just hang around for a while. But what we've got to do is we've got to have the mind of Jesus to where we'll serve each other when it doesn't seem right, when it doesn't make sense, when I ought not be the one, I'm the one that does it, serving you. And folks, when the world begins to see what we have, that we love one another unconditionally and that we'll do for one another unconditionally and that we will put each other first, that we will plan on putting up with each other and that we will love regardless, they'll want what we've got and Katie bar the doors because we'll not be able to contain in our building the people who want to be a part of such a thing that has a connection with God and has a connection with each other and we triumphantly march to eternity one with another. But we got to have the mind of Jesus to where we serve each other and we love each other And we love the lost, and we'll talk about tomorrow night. Why be involved for the lost's sake? And we love the lost more than we love life itself. That's when we'll get involved. When we love each other like he loved us in that same upper room on that same night that he did this Jesus said I give you a new commandment they had heard all their lives that you love each other like you love yourself they had heard all their lives that that was the greatest commandment but Jesus said I give you a new commandment that you love each other like I have loved you they had finally seen it with their own eyes the ultimate example of love was self-sacrifice and putting others first. And when you do that, you're exalted to the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus said, I just don't tell you, I show you. Brethren, when we get serious about serving God, we'll serve each other. I made mention of this after a comment this morning, some folks said, man, you're right. He said, we got to love each other and we've got to serve, or we've got to uh, put up with each other. He said, but you know, there's some people that are just hard to love. Well, just last week, I talked about this at Fayetteville, and I'm going to give you a dose of what I gave them. You know, we do have to love each other. We've got to plan on, Ephesians chapter 1 says that I plan on putting up with you. I plan to suffer long with you. Before I get out of the bed, I plan on loving you regardless. Do you know people say, I don't have to like you, but I, I mean, I, I don't have to like you, but I do love you. 
It's a whole lot easier to like somebody than it is to love them. If you don't believe it, read 1 Corinthians 13. It means I'm going to put up with you. And there are some people that are just hard to love. Do y'all know some people that are just hard to love? Remember, this means yes, this means no. This means I don't know. Are there some people that are hard to love? Mm-hmm. There's probably some people that are listening to me that are hard to love. And if you're some of those people, you know who you are. I don't have to point you out, but you know who you are. Listen to me. This is for you. If you're one of those people that are hard to love, change. Is that plain enough? Do you hear what I'm saying? Those people who are hard to love, I wonder, do you let Jesus love you? Have you let him step into your life and take control? Are you mad at the world? You're mad at yourself? You don't like anybody? And it's the world against you? You're everybody's martyr? They're after you? You don't like no- Listen, change. For heaven's sake, Change. Because we do want to love you. And if you'll just think hard enough, you'll know we already do. Preacher, you've said that I need to be involved in the work. You've told me how by serving each other. Now tell me why. The young man read it just a few minutes ago. For what has a man profited? If he gained the whole world. What is a man profited if he gained the whole world? Now let's think about that for just a minute. If he gained the whole world. What if we just had everybody's pocket change and folding money tonight? What if, what if we took all that up and gave it to one person? Do you think we'd get over $100? You just laugh because some of you are sitting in here and $100 is change. I imagine, say, if we took up all the cash in, that we have in our pockets tonight, we'd probably have five, $6,000. Pretty good bit amount of money, isn't it? What if we took what we had in our banking accounts? I'm talking about our checking accounts. I'm talking about just our checking. I'm not talking about our savings and our 401ks and our 403bs. And I'm not, I'm not talking about all that jibber-jabbish. I'm just about a checking account. You reckon we could hit 100000 We probably could. What if we started selling our assets? The cars in the parking lot. Man, there's some cars. There's a Cadillac Escalade out there. There was a Corvette there this morning. There's couple of town cars and some Ford uh, Crown Vicks. I believe I saw a couple of Mercury Marquis, some SUVs. I just got an old Chevrolet Avalanche. It ain't worth nothing. You wouldn't want to sell it. But let's just say we sold everybody else's cars. <laughs> At least get me home before you start selling my car, okay? We'd have... We might have, with all that combined, we might have a million dollars. And who in here could not use a million dollars? That's a lot of money. And that's just in this audience. But what Jesus said, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world? And lose 
his own soul. Your involvement is worth something. It's worth your soul. Remember James says, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer. And Jesus said, here's where you start. You start serving one another. I promise you, if we get that down in the Lord's body, and the world sees what we have, like I've said once, Katie, bar the door. Why? Because it's worth your soul. What is a man profited? He gained the whole world and shall lose his own soul. Or what shall a man exchange for his soul? Involvement in the Lord's work is worthy for my sake, for your sake. Because we have a soul that is worth it all. If you're here tonight... And you need to change. Become a doer instead of a hearer. Become a lovable person instead of an unlovable person. Become a Christian instead of a person outside of the body of Christ. We stand ready to serve you in any way we can. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of your sins. Confess your belief in him as Savior and not only as Savior but as the Son of God. Be immersed for the remission of your sins. God will add you to his church. He'll put you in it right where he needs you, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you'll be fit for heaven. You're here tonight and you've turned your back on Jesus and you're not a doer, you're just a sitter. You've said, I don't need this, don't want this. God's waiting on you to come home. I said it this morning and I, I say it all the time at home. If you're not a Christian, we want you to be. If you're a a, a straying Christian and you've left, we want you to come home. But these aisles are not just for sinners. They're for saints too. If we can pray for you or pray with you. If you've got something you want us to celebrate with, we want to know about it. We want to pray for you. We want to celebrate with you. We're family. If we can help you in any way, as God helps us all, please come forward while together we stand in sin.